It is midday here on this Monday, October 11th. Tyler Cavalia along with you. Hopefully you had a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in to the World Voice in Nebraska. As I mentioned, coming up in about 15 minutes in our regional ag weather update, going to be a lot happening in our listening area this week. Paul Perkins will fill us in. But we're talking about severe weather, frost. We're talking about possible snow in our western regions of our listening area. A lot to digest, but again, Paul Perkins will, will tell us more coming up in our regional ag weather update. Jason Jorgensen is in. UNK football continues their winning ways this past weekend. We'll dive into that. Bob Brogan is also in. He'll tell us how stocks are performing as well. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Susan, how are you doing on this Monday? Not too bad. It's kind of a little cooler out than it's usually been. It is. Uh, when I woke up and the house was 65 degrees, a little too cold for my liking. But that's I, this time of year. It is, but I love it. I love fall. Yeah. I mean, I like fall. I don't know if I would say I love fall, but each to, <laughs> each to their own, right? Yep, exactly. Very good. Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday? We'll kick it all off here with Alex at 1219 as she talks with Mitch Rippey, Director of Nutrition and Education for the Nebraska Beef Council, talking about two recent activities with UNK, the Nebraska Kids Fitness and Nutrition Days, and that $10 challenge. Then I'll come in here at 1245 as we have a new program. If you haven't heard it, of course, we're talking our our weekend market roundup, and we're going to talk with both uh, Arlen Suderman and Brad Coima as we've got a big report coming out tomorrow. They kind of share what their thoughts are and what we could see on those numbers. And then it's that time of year at 117. We're going to talk cow-calf body condition scores and how you really should be scoring those girls and separating them according to feeding plans and what those scores have to say. Hmm. Okay. A lot coming up on midday. Now, I I, I was told I got to let Jason get in here. Susan, I just want you to know, you do a great job, but you're dead to us this week, all right, with the Huskers of Minnesota. Well, just so you know, I just put out my new Minnesota Gopher posting notes. I've got Minnesota Gopher earrings that will arrive in the mail. Early birthday present for myself. Are those big L's? No. No, 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 no. Jason, if you're a Husker fan, it's hard for us to say anything, especially have recently uh, playing at Minnesota in particular. But, and uh, it's in Minnesota. I know. We know. All right. All right. Enough from you. Thank you very <laughs> okay. much, Susan. We'll Bye. see you later. All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's let's talk winning things. Uh, UNK football. Yeah, they moved to five and one on Saturday with a productive, business-like win against Missouri Western. It wasn't flashy, but they pulled away. Uh, they'll try to keep it going on Saturday in Emporia State. That's a tricky one. The Hornets three and three, but all three of their losses by a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. Also, a beautiful day, first day of state golf. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow might be a challenge, but today <laughs> a day to get out there and get some work done. Can they? Uh, can they get all the rounds in just today and just yeah. be better that way? Especially and if even, you're at West, you're better tomorrow. Then it would be. I don't think they'd be able to play on Wednesday. Wednesday. No, no. I don't think so either. No. All right. Good stuff, Bob. How are stocks looking? Stocks are a little bit higher. Tech tech companies and banks are making some solid gains, and uh, Southwest Airlines having some problems. They've been canceling uh, hundreds of flights uh, because of major service disruptions. Details on those coming up. Okay, good stuff. All that coming up on midday to start this brand new week. It's October 11th. Cordellcordell.com. It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins is joining us in the studio once again. And 
Well, Paul, it, it sounds like this could be an interesting, interesting week in terms of weather. Yeah, pretty big storm system moving in tomorrow night into Wednesday. Going to be bringing some widespread rain across the area. Some colder air mixing in could bring even some snow to the panhandle. And then mm. some frost is possible many locations Thursday into Sunday morning. Most likely a few locations getting to freezing or lower from about North Platte and points to the west. Well, speaking of cold, it was cold this morning. Yeah, it got down to 28 at a most of us saw some overnight lows into the upper 30s to the low 40s. Mm, yeah, a little cool in the house <laughs> this morning. Woke up, but uh, listen, it is that time of year we are going to encounter more and more cooler temperatures. Yeah, it's actually uh, in central Nebraska, for example, daytime highs this time of year are usually in the upper 60s with overnight lows starting to get into the mm. upper 30s on a regular basis. Okay. Otherwise, today, though, it looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day and not hot, but not cold, and, and temperatures are warming up nicely. Yeah, seasonably warm for today, starting to see some nice warmth, especially especially across the area where we did see some cloud cover into eastern areas of Nebraska. Still some persistent cloud cover from about Omaha down to Falls City on the backside of a storm system that, of course, delayed the Kansas City Chiefs game uh, last night with that uh, storm system moving through and uh, giving, bringing in a lightning delay and uh, delaying the second half by an hour. Otherwise, some light rain continuing over much of southern Iowa on into parts of Missouri. But most of us are high and dry right now, and most of our temperature is currently in the low to mid. 60s. Still some 50s into the Nebraska Panhandle, including down to 53 this hour in the Scotts Bluff area, but from about Beatrice into central and east Kansas, those temperatures more so in the upper 60s to the low 70s. For today, we can expect seasonably mild temperatures with sunshine and some light winds. A very peaceful day and a good day to get some harvest done before that rain chance starts to move in. Weather changes tomorrow as low pressure intensifies across the four corners, resulting tomorrow in some southerly wind gusts of 30 to 35 tomorrow afternoon through tomorrow night. Widespread rain and some thunderstorms, they're certain by tomorrow night. Not really messing around here. 80 to 100% chances, so pretty uh, big certainty on those rain chances. Storms could be severe. All of the region in at least a slight risk of severe weather. Late tomorrow through tomorrow night, central and west central Kansas in a higher enhanced risk for severe storms. Rain totals of a half an inch to an inch are likely across the entire area. Snow could mix with that rain in the panhandle with gusts up to 50. Those skies quickly clearing, though, on Wednesday. This system pretty much here and gone very quickly. Northwest wind gust on Wednesday still likely to be into the 30s. Another system bringing in some light rain Thursday night into Friday. It's going to be a fairly minor system. Those better rain chances will be especially to the long and south of I-80. Frost is possible nearly every morning Thursday into Saturday, or make that Thursday into Sunday. High pressure building in for late this weekend, helping to promote some dry weather with a slow warm-up to near or even slightly above normal temperatures by next week. That does verify in our long-term forecast. Temperatures overall likely to be warmer than normal in Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through October 20th, especially 8 to 14 days from now. During that time in central Nebraska, the average daytime highs are in the mid-60s with average overnight lows in the mid-to-upper 30s. It's likely to be mostly dry with below normal rainfall predicted. This weekend through October 20th, through October 20th in Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. 
Key weather factors impacting the markets include widespread rain across the U.S. and South America. In the Midwest and Southern Plains, there was some scattered rain over the weekend. All of the plains and Midwest on track for a stronger system tomorrow into Wednesday. Moderate to heavy rain and severe weather will hinder the harvest, while the rain will be good for winter wheat. Snow expected in southern Montana and Wyoming, possibly the western Dakotas and the Nebraska Panhandle. Strong wind gusts up to 50, also a hazard, especially from the Nebraska Panhandle and points to the northwest. Colder air sticks around for a couple of days before some higher temperatures quickly return to the plains and Midwest by this weekend. For Brazil, scattered rain continued during the weekend. Heavy in some spots, overall good for full-season corn and soybean planting. Scattered rain continues over central and south Brazil the next several days, all with some good rainfall activity. Some drier weather in Brazil actually would favor maturing and harvest of winter wheat. Towards Argentina, some isolated rain moved through over the weekend, but there remain some rather dry spots that could use more moisture for corn and soybean planting. Argentina's winter wheat area is still doing fine, but more moisture is needed overall. In the middle of the week, scattered rain moves through Argentina with another system bringing isolated rain late this week. That rain, though, likely not enough, and drier weather looks to take hold during the weekend into next week. So we're looking at tomorrow night as when those showers, basically we're all going to get wet at some point, but those showers moving in starting tomorrow night. Exactly. Mainly tomorrow night on into Wednesday. Okay. And a lot of rain, I mean, we're also so could we see some of that snow possibilities? That's going to be confined mainly to the Nebraska Panhandle. Okay. Uh, some rain mixing with that snow, uh, snow mixing with some of those thunderstorms. But And that's where we could see some wind gusts up to 50, maybe causing some potential travel problems. But, you know, this time of year, not too much of a threat. And the nice thing about it is that the ground is still so warm. It's not like it's going to really stick. Yeah, probably not even the road surfaces, really. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Uh, for a full weather forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you. Public Power District. Joining us over the phone is Mitch Rippey. He's the Director of Nutrition and Education for the Nebraska Beef Council. Mitch, just before we came on air, you and I were chatting that last week you wrapped up the Nebraska Kid Fitness and Nutrition Days. Tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah, thanks, Alex. You know, honestly, it's a pretty exciting program here. Last week actually marked the 17th annual Nebraska Kids Fitness and Nutrition Day event that we hosted there at UNK, and this was big. I mean, over 800 fourth graders from 10 area communities participated in the event. Um, it's really a way to kind of educate students on the ways that physical activity and nutrition kind of work together there to help maintain health. So as we've checked off here, we work with some UNK faculty and administrators to kind of design some hands-on nutrition activities and messaging that really focused on beef's nutritional benefits as both a healthy snack and meal option. And in one activity, students get to choose between an apple, beef jerky, and a candy bar as a snack. And then based on their choice, yes, they get to enjoy the snack, but also they then run a specific amount of laps based on the energy but then take to burn the calories in the snack they chose. And then after that, they're provided a lesson on choosing healthy snacks. So again, you know, that candy bar was the highest calorie option and also provided the least nutritional value. Whereas, you know, the jerky and the apple both provided really strong nutritional benefits for far less calories. And you know what also is a lot of fun with this program, UNK students host all the physical activity and nutrition stations. Those physical activity stations really focus on like team building, exercise, um, and then inside the health and sports center, the fourth graders just really learned about the benefits of a healthy lifestyle through a lot of interactive stations, talked about 
the Nutrition Facts Panel, Portion Control, and then also that MyPlate Nutrition Guideline. So this curriculum is also used to host some similar events. We do that at Hastings, McCook, Ogallala, Shatter, and Sydney Alliance. And altogether, this event really reaches more than 2,600 fourth graders across the central and western half of the state. All right, very good. Well, while we're on the topic of UNK, you guys also have a $10 challenge. Can you tell me more about what this is? Yeah, so as part of a continued sports nutrition outreach, uh, we recently partnered with the University of Nebraska Kearney Athletic Program to host a $10 performance plate challenge class. And what's really exciting about this opportunity is that UNK Athletic Program, they're really looking forward to, uh, you know, athletes taking them to the next level. And, and most of those teams have really dedicated the time to helping to better their nutrition and food intake. So this is largely done by education efforts. So at the end of the day, really, these Division II athletes, they're responsible for determining what they eat and when they eat. And we know college students are time-pressed. Many of them kind of lack that time, energy, skills for building a plate that's best for them. So with this $10 challenge, uh, we partner with the UNK Athletics Dietitian, and we really wanted to focus on arming these athletes with that knowledge, information, ideas, how to build a healthy meal under $10, including beef. Obviously, beef is emphasized due to you know, its strong nutritional profile, aiding in that recovery and muscle growth that's really key for both in-season and off-season athletes. So many athletes think it's too expensive to eat healthy, yet pretty quick to spend 12 to $15 dining out. But with this challenge, we provided the athletes guidelines on how to build an athlete's plate, I guess, based on their training efforts during a given day. And we led them through grocery store tours, through the aisles, taught them how to find some value in, in beef cuts, as well as tips and tricks for using ground beef. So doing that $10 challenge uh, with the athletes is really a pretty incredible teaching opportunity about beef and both that macro and micronutrients um, it provides for the athletes. All right. Great information. As always, Mitch, thanks so much. That again is Mitch Rippey joining us. He's the Director of Nutrition and Education for the Nebraska Beef Council. From the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio 60. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen is joining us. Well, Nebraska Volleyball continuing uh, on the winning path. Yeah, cruising along. They played some of the weaker teams in the Big Ten so far, but they claimed their sixth straight victory yesterday, sweeping Rutgers. Head coach John Cook says it was Nebraska's serve that made the difference. As the match went on, we got better, and I just thought our serving just dictated the whole match. So we're feeling good about our serving. We, you know, This weekend on the road, we really attacked with our serve, which is, really helps our blocking defense. Cook made his comments on the Huskers radio network. With that victory, the conference-leading Huskers approved a 12-3. and They're back in action on Wednesday when they take on Indiana. Ben Roethlisberger threw for 253 yards and a couple of scores as the Steelers beat the Broncos 27-19. And Josh Allen, I still have no idea why the Denver Broncos did not pick Josh Allen. I also wonder this very frequently. <laughs> he was in their backyard. He threw three touchdown passes and ran for another as the Bills beat the Chiefs 38-20. The rematch of the AFC title game was delayed more than an hour by lightning when the teams were at halftime. Kansas City hurt themselves with turnovers and Patrick Mahomes says that's on him. You gotta get better. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day, that's what we gotta do. Um, still got a long season left, um, but it's definitely this is one you're gonna remember. Um, and so... Uh, that's a good football team, don't get me wrong, but uh, we don't lose football games like that, especially at home. Bills improved to 4-1, and one, the Chiefs 
two and three, last mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. in the AFC West. Who would have thought that? Huh? Who would have thought that? I'm sure they'll turn it around. Yeah, it's a young season. Nebraska looks to bounce back again this week as the Huskers are on the road at Minnesota. Kickoff is set for 11. The Huskers, much like an old Hall & Oates hit from 1990, before your time, Tyler, so close, yet so far away. Uh, Did a lot of good things in the second half. Yeah, but again, we're just continuing the conversation. Oh, you know, there's so much improvement, getting so much better. But if you're not winning the game, then what does it matter? And when when you watch them play, you know it's coming. You know some yeah. titanic yeah. mistake is coming, and it did. What I don't understand, and people are like, oh, I'm, I'm good with the call. I do not understand why Nebraska did not take the first easy three points that they could have on the first drive. Take the, take the free easy points. Michigan didn't care. They took the easy points, and guess what? The game's decided by three. Cannot Just fault your logic. That was coming out of the mouth of my wife, Carol, as that game was going on. I'm like, ah, it's okay. They're playing. No, to- no. if you're but, if you're going to beat big teams, you have to take the easy points. There, you are correct. Cozad's headed back to the Class C softball tournament. They'll take on top seed of Bishop Newman on Wednesday at 2. We'll bring you that game on Cami Country. And what a day for Girls State mm-hmm. Golf. Norfolk is hosting Class B. Scotts Bluff is hosting B. Elks Country Club in Columbus is a site of Class C. Hopefully out there in the panhandle, they wrap that thing up quick <laughs> with, with possible snow in the future. That's not yeah, good. Yeah, well, that's risky running in October. You never yeah. know what you'll get. That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. Dave, how are you doing? Well, not too bad, thank you. Today's uh, federal holiday is dedicated to Christopher Columbus as highlighting the ongoing divide between those who view the explorer as a representative of Italian-Americans' history and those horrified by an annual tribute that ignores the native people whose lives and culture were forever changed by colonialism. Communities across the U.S. are taking a deeper look at Columbus's legacy in recent years, pairing or replacing it with Indigenous Peoples Day. On Friday, President Joe Biden issued the first presidential proclamation of Indigenous Peoples Day, but activists said efforts to end a formal holiday in Columbus's name remain stalled by politicians and organizations focusing on Italian-American heritage. The Nebraska governor's office announced Friday a contract agreement with state public employees that will provide significant pay hikes, particularly to those working in some health care and high-demand jobs. The state and the Nebraska Association of Public Employees reached an agreement in principle, meaning that it's not yet ratified, but worth $47 million in new compensation. The union representing more than 8,000 public employees in agencies throughout the state. The union director, Justin Hubley, says the agreement represents a substantial increase in pay for their members working within 24-7 facilities and across state government. A number of trout stockings will take place in the area this week. Game and Park's Greg Wagner has the details. We're going to be stocking those wonderful pan-sized 10 to 12-inch rainbow trout. Dozens upon dozens upon dozens of them coming to Fremont State Lake Number 2. 
Pawnee Park, the West Pond in Columbus, and Tahazuka Park Lake in Norfolk. For more information, head to OutdoorNebraska.org. A pedestrian from Kansas is dead after being struck by two hit-and-run drivers near Arrowhead Stadium as the man was leaving the Kansas City Chiefs game. Police are searching for the drivers who fled the scene last night. The victim, a 66-year-old man from Wichita. Police say the man and another person left the game early, so traffic crews were not yet on the scene to assist with exiting. The second person was not struck. Police say the victim was struck by a vehicle and while lying in the roadway was run over by a second vehicle. The man died at a hospital. Reporting on the news, I'm Dave Schroeder. In Kozad. The USDA WASDE report is set to be released tomorrow at 11 o'clock. So I asked a couple commodity brokers their thoughts and what these numbers might say. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. And during the weekly market roundup brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Board, I talked to Arlen Suderman with Stonex and Brad Coima with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa, about the importance of this report. You know, this is a report that I think the trade feels pretty good about, uh, not as worried about surprises. Uh, the crops matured a little quicker this year, and while they expect some um, adjustments to the supply side of the balance sheet, I, I don't think that's really anticipating a, a big adjustments. I guess that's where surprises come is when it's not expected. Um, so if there's going to be any surprises, maybe it would be on the demand side if USDA would choose to lower soybean um, demand out of China because of the poor hog feeding margins or the uh, power issues that they've had over there. But overall, I think this might be a quieter report than we normally see in October with even smaller acreage adjustments than we normally see as well. Brad, for you, what are you hearing about getting prepped for this report and, and how much of it's going to weigh in on the livestock and grain trade? Well, I, I agree with Arlen in that after that last uh, uh, kind of blockbuster, at least soybean number, uh, I, I think that the uh, the report's expecting probably some calmer type news now. You know, being said, you know, my part of the world up in uh, northwest Iowa has had uh, phenomenal bean yields. I think there's a few of our producers that are looking over their shoulder a bit going like, are we going to see some adjustment, you know, in, in terms of the 21 production. I, it would be premature and unexpected, I think, if it would do it on the uh, October report. But, um, you know, our, our folks here, uh, you know, as far as uh, report prep, uh, you know, we're a high livestock area and um, we're a net user, you know, by a long ways of, of corn up here by a million miles. And I, I see my end users and uh, being kind of sensitive to having some ownership here on the corn side of things, not so much on the beans at all. Uh, but, uh, um, and, and I would support that deal, you know, uh, along with the uh, inflation talk, there's also the cost of what these inputs have done here lately. And I, I just think that that's going to kind of the, 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 you know, the, the tide that floats the boat here, at least on the corn market for now. Brad, how much pressure do you think or how much weight does an October report have? It seems like lately, every time I say this shouldn't be a big deal, it is a big deal. Uh, I can relate to what Arlen's saying, you know, it's like, whoa, um, and you know what I feel about 11 o'clock reports as a broker. They're the most stupid thing the CME ever designed. Well, maybe not the most, but it's right up there. Um, for our customer base to be able to react in a split second when, when, the, when the markets have moved already, and I've got sophisticated as equipment as money can buy, and the markets have moved for 12 seconds until I even see what the numbers are is very, very exasperating to me. I, 
most of our people are almost numb to the fact they stand there and go, okay, well, I guess it was bullish. You know, I mean, I, no kidding. That's the producer angle to this thing. So I, I guess everybody will hold their breath and move on. I, I think most people have postured where they need to be for now. I want to look at, at what's going on with China. They are back from holiday now. And having said that, Arlen, are we going to see maybe more pickup in, in bean purchases and grain in general, knowing that they need it and they've been off for a week? Well, they've been inquiring just about every day, and uh, that's normal for this time of year, and we would anticipate that will continue. Uh, but the volumes purchased to this point aren't as great as what we'd like to see, and particularly shipments have not have been as great. It's a real concern that we've uh, seen over 20 crushing plants in China shut down, uh, more in the north than in the south, but still shutting down because of power outages. The question is, will we see some of those power supply issues cleaned up now by the federal government? I think they have a real problem with that. And some of my sources within China say, well, after the holiday now, we should see some movement on it. But I think this presents a real problem for China, not production capacity, but each of the solutions that can can solve the problem have consequences that kind of work against uh, what China is working towards anyway in trying to clean up the air ahead of hosting the uh, Olympics. And there's a shortage of coal. Um, but if they do increase the purchase of coal, then we're going to further increase the cost of energy. We're going to put more stress on the Chinese economy. So that's going to be one of the key questions. But when I talk to our sources in China, they say that's not the biggest problem right now. It's a poor feeding margins for hogs. And with those poor feeding margins, the demand for meal is down. Roughly half the meal goes to hog feeding. And so that's softer. And we just have this narrow window right now in order to get soybeans to China. So that's a real concern right now. Not so much long-term soybean need, but this window that we have before cheaper Brazilian supplies become available. I'm glad you brought up hogs. I wanted to get, pick your brain a little bit on this. Uh, African swine fever has not been talked about much lately in China. We know it's still an issue. Is that going to continue to weigh in? Yeah, it, it is. Um, the c bigger commercial farms aren't immune to it, but they can do a better job of kind of maintaining the biosecurity, and that's where the production is really shifting right now. The majority of the production, you know, a few years ago, overwhelming majority of the production was just the small family farms. Now the majority is in commercialized farms, so it's really sped that up. You can see the full video conversation between Brad and Arlen through our video link on our website. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Stocks have edged higher as technology companies and banks made solid gains. With the business report for Monday, I'm Bob Bergen. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average rose five-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq also rose five-tenths percent. The price of benchmark U.S. crude oil was up 2.2 percent to just over $81 a barrel. Drug maker Merck has asked U.S. regulators to authorize its promising antiviral pill against COVID-19, setting the stage for a decision within weeks. If cleared by the Food and Drug Administration, it would be the first pill shown to treat COVID-19, adding a new easy-to-use weapon to the world's arsenal against the pandemic. Southwest Airlines canceled hundreds more flights today following a weekend of major service disruptions. By mid-morning, Southwest had canceled about 360 flights and more than 600 others were delayed. 
The Dallas-based airline blamed air traffic control issues and bad weather for weekend operational challenges that resulted in 1,900 canceled flights on Saturday and Sunday. The vast majority of United Auto Workers union members have rejected a contract offer from Deere & Company that would have delivered at least 5% raises to the workers who make John Deere tractors and other equipment. Negotiators will return to the bargaining table to try and work out a new deal to cover more than 10,000 workers at 14 plants across the United States. The union set a strike deadline of 11.59 p.m. Wednesday. The publisher of the Lundberg survey, Troby Lundberg, tells what gasoline prices have done over the past few weeks. Gasoline prices moved up six cents per gallon to three dollars thirty-one cents. It is one dollar and seven cents higher than it was a year ago. Lundberg adds that crude oil prices increased substantially, which means there may be further gasoline price hikes for the Rural Radio Network. On it's that time of year when we start looking at the condition of our cows and our calves. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And as those cow-calf producers go about weaning spring-born calves this fall, it's a good time for them to evaluate the body condition of the cows as they have the opportunity to improve those condition scores. K-State's beef system specialist is Justin Wagner. He reviews the various reasons why producers should go through the process of assessing cow body conditions. As we look at where those cows are at in terms of their nutrient requirements, those are going to be at their lowest immediately following weaning prior to seeing those nutrient requirements begin to increase, especially as we move into the latter stages of the second trimester and on into the third trimester. Uh, so, you know, post weaning, we're looking at somewhere between a 25 to 30 percent reduction in maintenance energy requirements just by the simple act of removing that cap. And having low maintenance requirements and cooler fall weather allows producers to take advantage of cow conditioning post-weaning. This is our opportunity right now because we haven't started to increase as, as we get into the later stages of gestation. The other piece of that is from a weather perspective, we have very little cold stress right now. So cattle are going to be very close to the thermal neutral zone. We're not having to feed those cows extra calories to sustain and, and offset any of those additional demands of cold weather. So to me, uh, the fall is, is really the best time to, to kind of get in there. And if we do have a few thin cows in the herd, this is our time to intervene. And Wagner further advises that producers assess the condition of the herd as a whole and then sort the herd by the condition scores. That'll better give you some targeted feeding programs. You know, oftentimes, I think as producers, we tend to get caught up in, well, is the cow a four or a five, or uh, maybe we've got a few threes in the thinner piece of that and on that scale. And actually, what I advocate for is to look at the distribution of the herd as a whole. We see a set of cows that might be relatively average and then a subset of cows that, that could be on the thinner side of things of being a condition. And if we've got a few of those thinner cows, that's something to take note of. Can we group those cows together and, and do some differential feeding strategies, et cetera, to, to kind of put them back in condition before they get into the winter? And really what we're trying to do is save that next pregnancy and make sure that that cow rebreeds back. And on the flip side of that, it's the condition of those calves. Wagner discusses a various post-weaning nutrition practices, including taking advantage of grazing forage. Supplementation, though, might be necessary.
there is certainly the possibility of even taking those cows, weaning the calves, putting them back out in a forage or graze situation on native grass, and picking up some extra condition on those cows. We need to have an adequate forage supply in front of those those cows. One of the ways that we can do that on native grass is, you know, rotating to a fresh pasture uh, that maybe has been previously ungrazed. Now, as we get into the later months, as forage quality begins to decline, if we are trying to put some condition on those cows, it's very likely that we're going to need some sort of supplementation program to be able to do that. And this supplementation program is going to be a little bit different from more traditional maintaining cow condition we are trying to put some additional gain back on those cows. And so really our nutritional needs are going to be for both protein and energy. So a combination supplement would probably be more advantageous than, than just simply a protein supplement at this point. That's Justin Wagner with K-State University. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Pan on the World Radio Network. Let's check in now with John Payne, marketing analyst with Stonex, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. John, kind of a mixed bag ahead of tomorrow's WASI report. Soybeans, though, definitely catching pressure, albeit the uh, so the WASIs haven't held as many surprises here in recent months. It's more other reports from USD like quarterly stocks that have had the big surprises. So any any move tomorrow you think that's going to be unexpected? No, I mean... The, the trend really has been to buy whatever news comes out. So, you know, the last time, two reports ago, it was, it was corn. The market was anticipating higher corn numbers. It got it. market went down to 5 bucks. Before you know it, we were back to 540 Beans, last report, same type of deal. Sell-off into the report. We caught a higher yield. market came back. Uh, this time it was on the upside a little bit on corn as well. Um, but then this report, I think we're expecting big bean numbers from yield hikes. I think it's kind of been the theme for most people, is that the yields are better. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the expectation. So you're getting some selling into it, uh, as well as some some Chinese talk that you know I could potentially be looking at some shutdowns with COVID uh, in in some provinces there. So I'm a little concerned here with meal trading on its lows uh, that you could see some sort of liquidation event in the rest of the feed grains. But at this point, at this point, they haven't shown any evidence to want to do that. As Minneapolis traded high, basically on its high into the close, and KC wheat continues to trade you know above 740 for the new crop. So Outside of oats, everything looks looks bearish. Uh, oats has oats made another move today, almost trading seven dollars in the December contract. So there's a lot of bullishness out there, just not seeing in the oil seed space right now. And you you talk about those oats right now. Not only are they positive to corn, they're trading more than a dollar premium to the corn market. Is this something where you know speculative traders they see a big move like this, so then they start to pile money into it, and it's really not reflective what actual fundamentals are occurring in the market. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something that's very difficult to get a handle on. You have a lot of Canadian exposure, obviously the crop problems we've had there, but something has taken us here through six all the way up to 670 in a couple of weeks. And, and the fact that it can do it without the move of, of, of corn is, is quite astonishing, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I mean, if we can see this price, actually, won't be a couple of weeks before oats is trading over beans, or at least even with it. So, you know, I think there's some, some opportunity here. Uh, on the spread markets, if you want to try to dip your toes in all that, be careful with the December contract. It's it can light you up. And all of a sudden, be up seven, you know, seven dollars. Next, you know, it's you know sub six sixty. So be careful out there if you're going to trade it. I still like buying corn against wheat. I still like buying corn against July oats, but just be careful. 
That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst there with StoneX. Learn more StoneX.com. Do remember, though, that trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Thank you, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Monday. Catch the midday podcast that will be available later today at krvn.com.